Welcome everybody back to Week in Horror After Dark. A little special thing that we do for our Patreon listeners. Um, we have a special guest today. Uh, director, horror director, Billy Pawn has joined us. Billy, thank you so much for being thank here. Yeah, having a good time hanging out with you guys. Fantastic. Um, with me as always, uh, Eugene and Alex. Hey. What's going on, everybody? And we're going to have uh, a little sit-down time with Billy. Uh, a veteran in the horror industry, um, directed director of Dollboy and Circus of the Dead, uh, coming uh, Circus of the Dead, which will be coming to VOD soon. Um, but here we're going to get kind of Billy's take on just you know what. Honestly, you've been in it so long, we got to know, you know the, where it began, where it started, what drew you into the horror industry. Well, that would be uh, VHS movies during the VHS revolution when I was in my uh, early teens in the early eighties and um, just getting to watch them. Uh, I knew I wanted to make movies after seeing star Wars, but I knew I wanted to make horror movies after seeing uh, Texas chainsaw massacre. Yeah. That one will pull the, the horror right out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause one of the things that was like, you know, you see star Wars, you're like, I want to make that. You see Texas chainsaw massacre. And no, I love both films. You're like, Texas chainsaw massacre, Texas chainsaw massacre is probably a little bit easier to make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I think I could pull off star Wars, the original star Wars. That is, I'm not, I, I don't think I ever want to do something with that much CGI and it. it's just kind of not my thing. If I was actually, you know, picked to direct one of those big movies, I don't know what I would do with the CGI stuff. It just, I don't know. It's just not my thing. Yeah, because seeing people, seeing people dance around in front of the green screens and everything. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It just feels wrong or weird or something. I don't know. I like 300, you know, but it was uh, more of a graphic novel approach to green screen. It wasn't That's trying to bend different. reality. Yeah, it's, it was kind of a different vibe. Yeah, because well, like when you're filming with green screen, there's nothing like to interact with at all. There's like you know, oh okay, imagine a monster is there versus like we're gonna bring buckets of blood on the set and we're gonna hose you down with it and throw some Yay. organs out. <laughs> I always get excited when they bring in the five gallon buckets of blood. <laughs> yeah, it is until you go to clean that shit up off the floor and stuff, or somebody's <laughs> shit. somebody's carpet that you said you wouldn't mess up their house or something. All that stuff kind of happens. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like I do horror movies, but I tell everybody I do good horror movies. Um, just because it's horror doesn't mean it has to be bad and cheesy. So I really right. try to to do good movies that just happen to be horror movies. Then that's actually that's a really good approach because so many people especially non-horror fans are like oh well all horror movies have to be cheesy they have to be low budget and that's not always the case no uh i mean but this is like we could sit and do a million podcasts about you know filmmaking and what makes it and what breaks it but to me i keep it to a very simple thing is this it starts with the story and then that story has to be organic and even when i'm on set it, it kind of grows and tells me where it needs to go and that's what I allow it to do. Um, I don't try to push it into something that where it doesn't belong or something. My movies have extreme content in them. and um, But people say, hey, you handled that. Like, you know, I always heard this crazy stuff about your movie, but it's actually a really good movie. Like, they're surprised. You know what I mean? Um, so that's <laughs> I, I like that. You know, that's cool to me because that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Is It's just like the name Circus of the Dead. I mean, it's like was, I thought it was going to be about zombie clowns. It's like... I just wanted to fool people like the rope dope before it, you know, and just give them something else to think about. Because it's like I feel like I'm a conductor as a director, like for a symphony or something, and you're playing the crowd the way you want to play them. 
that's actually a really good analogy because you know as a conductor you have all these different moving parts as a film you have all these different moving departments of camera and lighting and sound and all that kind of stuff and as a director you got to put all that together you do and and at the end of the day too is then you you get into the edit bay after you've already shoot your shot everything and you send everybody home and paid all these monies to fly people here and there and stuff and then you go oh i wish i would have done this different so it's it's <laughs> i like to tell people it's like i'm a professional turd polisher you know i'm really good at taking whatever i get shot i'm good enough out there to get what i need but then i'm good enough to really make it good in editing i, I like that i like that uh with, with circus of the dead how you you pulling that like you said the rope dope. yeah no i try to kind do that just, with yeah. everything but it basically it all comes down to the simple thing too is if you watch circus it's a <clears throat> i find one little concept like in doll is just a short and this guy in the movie cared more about his his watch than you know other people being murdered and all this kind of stuff even more than his life somebody stole his rolex watch you know what jerk did this so it's like you know don't put material possessions before human life and in circus of the dead it's don't take your family for granted it's just that simple thing, and that's where the whole movie concept started. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to have these clowns kill somebody and cut their head off and this and that. It started with an actual you know, theme, and the theme was don't take your family for granted. And I really like how you take a real organic, like a powerful theme. And I think a lot of the best horror movies start off with powerful themes. It's not just, oh, let's get like a shark and tornado, a sharknado or something like that. But the best movies are like, you know, talk about grief, loss. You know, you're talking about your, uh, the value of your family kind yeah, of thing. So yeah, and it's, it's, awesome. it's, it's disguised. You know, it's disguised as a horror movie. Um, but it's like, it's like you said with Sharknado. It's like if somebody makes a bad horror movie nowadays, they say, oh, that's what I was going for. I was going for Troma, Tromaville. You know, it's like that's just an excuse because you made a shit movie. Shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shut up and work harder. Like the, the, the Lloyd Kaufman idea. You know, like Lloyd Kaufman was good at what he did and stuff, but shooting on film back in the day and shooting on what you got now, there's no excuses. You know what I mean? They were on a limited thing. They had budgets, and they're paying a ton of money just to shoot and have all these people out doing it. But you can make better movies now with your iPhone. So don't give me excuses about this being bad because of that. If the acting sucks, the acting sucks. If your script sucks, it's your script sucks. It's like quit making excuses for your bad movies. He did a lot of, uh, uh, Kaufman did a lot of guerrilla yeah. work. I remember I knew there was one, there was one scene, uh, Lord, just the, the scene is just etched in my mind. It was um, a, dude, a dude getting chewed up by an escalator. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and uh, how they basically ran in and shot that like just they literally just ran into the station and shot that at the escalator all that gore all that mess like that they just they had they couldn't get permits it was uh -huh. too expensive and they just ran in shot it and then ran the fuck out <laughs> and that's that's what happens and, and that's why i respect those guys like i said is like for these filmmakers now to compare themselves to him and stuff like that i said don't disrespect that dude you know what I mean? Like, you know, him and Romero and all that and what they've come through. It's like earlier on your other show, we were talking about that cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And um, I believe that everything you do, even if you're watching Jersey Shore or some shit, you can learn something from something, you know, when it comes to entertainment. So that's what I try to do with every movie. And watching that movie, it taught me a lot. And it's like, you know, I rely a lot on sound too, but it's like, what if, you know, it, it just shows you that you don't have to have anything that you think you need to have to make a good movie and it just it shows you to be creative and find alternate ways of doing things whenever you're in a pinch and that's true because i keep hearing a lot from you know like you know big directors like you know martin scorsese and kevin smith and all the other kind of stuff and they all keep saying the same thing of 
just shoot your movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so many people are like, well, I need the money. I need the equipment. I need this. I need that. And it's like, that's all excuses. Just go out and shoot it. If all you got the phone, then just use your phone. Well, here's what I would say to that. And, 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 and I'm on the front lines of this stuff. Um, to me is because we, I, me, Chuck Norfolk and Courtney Sandifer at Texas Fright Mayor weekend every year, we teach uh, Fright Makers 101. And uh, that's the thing I push. But what I try to do now is the thing I learned the best is to do a fake trailer first. Because then you're looking at maybe two minutes, two and a half minute tops. Um, so you see if you could pull that off. If you could pull that off, then you're ready for a short. And I'm not talking even a 30 minute short. Do a five minute short. Um, once you have that stuff going, then you'll know if you're able to take on a big feature yet. But would I tell you to go start with the feature first? No, I really wouldn't. Because you, there's just certain things. I mean, unless you've just been in the business for so long, you know. But that whole producing thing and the, the permits and the, the contracts and all that kind of stuff, that's just as important as the uh, technical thing that goes into a movie. So it, it shouldn't be overlooked. And there's so much responsibility and you wear so many hats when you're an indie filmmaker doing your own. To start off with something like a trailer, if you can do a fake trailer or a trailer for a movie that doesn't exist, then it'll show you what your strengths are and show you what your weaknesses are. And that would be a very good place to start. Speaking of which, you're, uh, you showed it to us before we kicked this whole thing off tonight was your fake trailer for Mr. Yeah, Mister. that's a great story, um, yeah. <laughs> I want to I shout that out to everybody who's listening. Just just uh, give us the, the, the YouTube title on that so people can well, see Well, if, if you go on YouTube, you got to have an account to watch it because they banned it, and it's you gotta, um, you got to <laughs> sign in to watch it because of content or something like happened a long time ago. But we're going to rewind a little bit more. And go to 2007 when uh, Grindhouse come out with uh, Planet Terror and Death Proof. And um, they had a trailer contest, best fake trailer contest. And uh, I entered that with a trailer called Circus of the Dead, okay, that I shot at like the haunted house and some footage from a local carnival. Um, and it did really, really well. But now the, the, the fake trailer that won the contest was, I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie, was called uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, yeah, of yes. course. That's okay. Well, the, 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 the original, yeah. before Rutger Hauer, it was a fake trailer with an, an un, unknown guy, and it was phenomenal. Like, I even like the fake trailer better than the movie. Well, when Jason Eisner, who made Hobo with a Shotgun, then he wanted to do the same thing for his movie, so he had a fake trailer contest. And at that time, I wanted to do something. And I was trying to think, what's going to get me mo- noticed the most? You got to have a good title, Mr. Fister. You got to have something extreme happening to get some attention. Fisting. So that's where that trailer come from. Um, and I copied uh, the movie Torso, its trailer. And that trailer, it keeps saying, like, it'll go, Torso, it saturates the screen with terror. And I go, Mr. Fister, it penetrates the screen with terror. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I borrowed from that because I love that kind of stuff because I love the old Grindhouse stuff. But it just it started giving me this appreciation for the genre I love, the 60s and 70s, so much. Um that it just taught me a bunch about Grindhouse, and there's just so much to love about Grindhouse too. But making a fake trailer for any of you guys that want to do something or never done anything, anybody listening, just go try it. And even at Frightmare this year, we're doing the fake trailer showcase. And they go, you mean contest? I go, no, I don't like doing contests because art's subjective, and I don't like putting that you know pressure on filmmakers You because know? I like to try to get everybody who does a trailer in as best I can because I know how it feels to be turned down by a film festival. You know, so, you know, if somebody makes a movie and they put it out to a film festival, put it out to 100 and never get accepted. I mean, that kind of hurts your feelings pretty bad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, I I was blessed with Dollboy. We've gotten in over 100 on those and we probably got in over 60 with Circus of the Dead. Um, 
But there were some that turned us down that shouldn't, but you know it's politics or whatever, or somebody's jealous or something, but uh, not to get into all that stuff. But um, yeah, that's where it starts was with that fake trailer. And now they're even using those fake trailers to, uh, like I got a friend, William Enstone out of Houston that did a fake trailer for us last year called uh, Butcher's Bluff. And he got some actors like Bill Johnson, you know, played uh, Leatherface too. And, um, but they got a movie now and it's, they raised a whole bunch of money on GoFundMe because of the uh, fake trailer and stuff. So it kind of just starts there and they're getting ready to do, uh, you know, shoot here pretty soon. So I think it could start there. So any aspiring filmmakers, go make a fake trailer. You'd be surprised how much fun it is. I have to, I have to admit, going back a little bit, because something that you mentioned that kind of stuck with me, um, the, the, uh, I would say the subject of family. Yeah. Is that Texas, Cha- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, Toby Hooper, Gunnar Hansen, seems to have had a, prof- a profound effect of you as far as, as being a filmmaker goes. And you brought it, you, you, you made the correlation, and with Circus of the Dead, there's a family element uh-huh. to that. And I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to say that Circus of the Dead comes off as kind of a riff on, you know, to, on uh, Hooper's film, but. I would say that that seems like it's something that resonates with you. I, I, the concept yeah. of family, the concept of, of the, the bond, the, the familial bonds. Well, for most people, if you ask, I mean, you would ask them what's most important to you. You'd probably say, you know, God, family, and, you know, whatever, uh, masturbating, whatever your thing is. But um, I, I think I think that I, I take it like this, like a lot of people knock Tarantino or somebody else saying, well, he rips off this person or he rips off that person. It's like, to me, it's like musicians. You know, it's like, who did it, you know, did Elvis rip anybody off? You know, it's like, it's somebody got something for somewhere. It just ends up in your DNA, whether you know it or not. And us watching, all of us, you guys too, we watch these movies. It's in our DNA, whether we want it or not. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it was Toby, is that Hooper created something I think resonated with you. Yes. And that, and that you saw that and it was like, you know, that, that kind of storytelling. Well, what what resonated too is that he, he got into cocaine, I think, or something too, and went off the rails because his movie started going crazy too and not not to dog on anybody you know but i'm saying is that's what i tried and struggle with not cocaine because but uh <laughs> but uh you you have to stay as hungry as you first were you guys it's like rocky three you know it's the old thing when he had the the hotel he was training in and the air conditioning and the people playing his theme music was different than when he put on the holy sweats and chased the chicken out in the alley you know you got to get hungry if you want to do it and and to me, that's what makes it different. You know, there's other filmmakers that put out a movie one or two a year, but they suck, you know? And it's like, I want something that I'm not embarrassed of. I want something that my crew's not embarrassed of. I want something that the actors aren't embarrassed of. And going to this festival is the first time I got to watch Circus of the Dead with Bill Oberst Jr. Now, Bill Oberst Jr. is probably the greatest actor I'll ever work with and a wonderful human being. But sitting next to him, watching him watch himself on the screen... And him saying, you know, hey, this is kind of really the first time I really gave it a chance to watch it. And it's pretty remarkable. You know, it's like that made me feel really proud, you know, and him watching the people cheer and applaud and laugh. I mean, it was just a very good feeling. And that's where I know all the hard work paid off. Um, But then I scratch all of it off and I'm starting again. And it's it's very um, overbearing as far as the weight on my shoulders to not mess up. It's I don't want to say Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you ain't last. But it's like I really put a lot of pressure on me to really do good 
and not be embarrassed by my product. Well, that's one thing. That's one thing we've always said is that you you, you get shit in the can. Yes, and that's that that right there. Whether it doesn't matter if anybody sees it, it doesn't matter you know where it goes. Getting it in the goddamn can is one of the hardest fucking things to do as a film. Very impossible. And, yeah, it's very tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so many roadblocks you have to overcome, and you've you've knocked it out of the park. There's actually. It kind of brings to mind our very first special guest that we had on here was a director um, named Matthew Mark Hunter, who's up in Ohio. Uh-huh. And this kid is 19 years old and has over 90 films under his belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they're they're I think they're scheduled they're going to hit like a hundred here in about a, uh, in the next month. They're going to cross the threshold and have done their hundredth film. So, and this kid is totally gorilla. Right, right. He grabs his, he's got his cadre of friends. He goes up there and he just fucking Knocks crushes him out. it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. One right after the other. He's got constant stories. And I mean, of these movies, he's got like, you know, like six, seven, eight, nine parters where the storylines just keep, you know, continuing. He just keeps churning them out because he, because he loves it so much. And we're looking forward to huge things from him. I'd, I would love to get him, Matthew and you in the same room. Yeah. Chat, yo, yo, oh, yeah. yo, where where he's heading, where he's heading, and where you were. <laughs> I can see JL bringing them both into a bedroom. JL jumps up on the bed on his stomach with his chin in his. Why is it gonna be a bedroom? Chin in his hands because <laughs> it, it it worked for this pose. Chin in his hands, kicking his feet, smiling like, okay, you guys talk now. <laughs> <laughs> but why is it gonna be in my bedroom? Would we I, all I, shit I on my bed? Do it anywhere else. I think what I would tell anybody, though, like that, even a young person or an old person is, remember why you wanted to do it. You know, that's that's what's going to make you Definitely. good because you, you have to remember, you know, why you wanted to do it in the first place. You know, um, I see a lot of people at these conventions and all, and they just want a, a quick way in and stuff. But it's like there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. You know, it's like to, to make a splash in indie these days, it's very tough. You know, they go, well, uh, Babadook was indie. I go, that was $2 million they, they made that movie with. I'm talking about, I made one. They said my budget was 150000 but my budget was technically 90000 But to some kid out there, they're thinking, 90000 how the hell did you have $90,000? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to do. But, you know, to somebody like Babadook, $90 million ain't nothing. You know, so it's like, you know, you do the best with what you get, and I get that. But if I didn't have any money, I'd still be making good movies, even if I was shooting with my phone. Would they be technically as good or this or that? No, but they wouldn't be bad because I just wouldn't allow myself to let them be bad. It's kind of like because um, Kevin Smith, uh, what you know, his first film, Clerks. We've all you know, we've all seen the the legend of what that is. But um, how pretty much he maxed out all of his credit cards mm-hmm. to get his budget on that mm-hmm. one. You know, they they shot in black and white because it was cheaper to shoot than color. Um, and he he then cast it off as kind of like an artsy thing, uh, like then, but uh, like the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Um, shot for sixty thousand dollars and gross two hundred. You know, obviously, your sixty thousand dollars film is not guaranteed to gross no. two hundred ninety-five million. No. <laughs> but um, but the reality is, you know, you know, you you can put it together. That the the money is out there. I've seen shoestring films that was like I was shot. It was shocked by was it, and especially when you nail down certain things like um the fact that that you had that Bill was in circus. Um, well, we love Bill Obers Jr. We did uh, we covered him. A few, uh, several months ago, when his birthday rolled around, and talked about his body of work and like that, and of course, you know, Texas local uh, Parish legend Randall, Parrish yeah. Randall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's um. Well, here's how I got Bill. If you really want to know the truth, is I made a list of these like the top indie guys that I thought would be good at Popcorn, and um, 
I even had Bill Mosley on that list, and it was it was getting a little close to that too. And um, ooh, chop topping. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and then that kind of comes complete circle here in a minute, and I'll tell you a story. But uh, with Bill, he was number one on that list, and uh, I just reached out to him on Facebook. Somebody tagged us in a post for a charity auction. We we're both donating something to. And uh, I was donating some Doll Boys DVDs, and he was donate, donating a signed picture. And I go, man, to be in a post with Bill, you know, I'm just, I'm just honored. And the only reason I said that was basically brown nosing to try to, you know, <laughs> smooth a little bit. And he goes, hey, I really appreciate the comment. And then we, you know, he, I sent a friend request. He accepted it. I waited a week, you know, impatiently. And then I said, hey, I'm doing this movie. Would you be interested in reading the script? He goes, sure, send it to me. I sent it to him, you know, thinking. Okay, because I sent one to um, Corbin Bernson. Remember Corbin Bernson, the dentist? Yeah, that's a different story too. But uh, so I sent it to uh, so I sent it to Bill, and within two hours, the dude called back said, "Hey, I love this Papa Corn character. This is awesome, man." He goes, "Let's make this movie. I'll put you in touch with my manager." So it went from a Facebook message. <laughs> that's where it went. That's how I got Bill O'Burst Jr. Now, where the Mosley come in was. Um, Bill was just in uh, Three from Hell with uh, Mosley and Rob Zombie and him. And um, Mosley was talking about uh, Circus of the Dead. Said, you know, man, that movie really freaked me out. You know, like it freaked me out as much as the first Chainsaw did. And the only thing that got me over the first Chainsaw, Bill, was to be in the sequel. Wink, wink. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So we got something cooking there. So we'll see. Hopefully we're going to reunite the two Bills in Circus of the Dead, too. Oh, that'd be seriously. Yeah. That would be awesome. But see, but it, you've got to take a lot of pride in that, you guys. I'm not going to give these Ken Forey. We talked about him before, and that. Uh, uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. I just he was such a sweet person out at this last one. The guy from Hills Have Eyes, Michael Berryman. Oh, Michael. Berryman. These are sweet people, but they're actors. But nobody gives them a chance with real acting. They give them monsters or, hey, bitch, I'm Joe Grizzly. You know, which is cool and all, but give them some... They're racehorses, man. Give them some stuff to act. Let them act. Oh, um, you mentioned Michael Berryman. Because, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for, for... I'll go back and watch old series that I love. He had a, an episode of The X-Files. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. That yeah, that did not play on his unique medical condition. That didn't that didn't go and... He didn't. didn't make yeah, well, there you go. He That's just, awesome. He played a good guy and got to just run with a character. And it was great. He He played a guy who was just protecting a little boy from getting hurt. And I was like, wow, the, the, dude, the guy's got chops, man. So I'm just saying, if you guys go after some of these people, write them something good. You know what I mean? And, and I know, too, is you got to be careful because, you know, they cost they cost more than your, your uncle, uh, uncle Fred to play that part. You know, so you got to pay them and fly them out and take care of them. And, um, you know, but it's to me is if you're going to get a racehorse, you let them race. It's like we said oh. with, with Rick Baker, you know, let Rick Baker do Rick Baker, <laughs> you know, let Bill yeah. Oberst do Bill Oberst. Uh, when Bill come in to do popcorn, he was going funny ha-ha, and it was good and all, and he, he seen some um, discernment in me and pulled me aside and said, because I was real nervous, you know, this is my first time directing, and I may look like a, you know, a wrestler serial killer, but uh, he said, you know, you got to direct me now, Billy, if there's anything you want to say, it's okay, don't, don't be shy to say this and stuff. And then we started talking about uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, I like, and also uh, The Butcher from Gangs of New York. I said, that's kind of where Papa's falling along. So that's where, then boom, that night we hit that thing, and then this Papa was born, and then Bill had it, you know, here on out. So it's just, it's, it's, it's directing. It's like you said, producer and director and actor and everybody all working as one machine, you get a better product, it seems like. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. One of, yeah. one of the things that, you know, 
we forget when we look at some of these horror icons is that most of them got into film to act, yes. not to yes. just be a monster or something like that. And they may end up getting the monster role and they may enjoy it and all this other kind of stuff, but they're actors first. Yes, yes. Some of them are. Now, some of them are just big and they want to play the killer and they go, yeah, I don't prefer talking. Um, and that's cool, too. But I can get my Uncle Fred to do that uh, sometimes, exactly. too. But, um, you know, like even my uh, my brother-in-law, who wasn't at the time, it was Dollboy. Um, but he, you know, like that. But he studied Leatherface in the original, and that's where he got his mannerisms, the way he looked in a mask. And somebody goes, well, if you're just wearing a mask, what kind of acting is it? No, there's a lot of acting on your mannerisms and stuff. You can you can read body language with the big mask on, for sure. Oh, uh, uh, Kane Hodder. Mm-hmm, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. In seven, he's that. I mean, he's the only actor I've seen who gave Jason a voice. Yeah, without mm-hmm. having a voice, right? Yep, yeah, I would agree with that. He's a nice guy too, but he he wasn't as big as I thought he was. <laughs> but I'm I'm a big old dude, so I do. Uh, I mean, I remember I let I let Kane choke me out one time at one of the Texas Frightmare weekends. So <laughs> sexually, of course. So y'all have been, y'all have been out to Frightmare big. before. Oh yeah, I used to do. Uh, I used to do journalism for Centerlink. So y'all know the Madhouse. Yeah, I used to go out there as press. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's like isn't it the craziest thing? Uh, that's coming up in May. Um, and like I said, if you can get out there and check out those fake trailers, uh, I tell everybody to come sit in those uh, the fake trailers because it's so much fun. I mean, everybody hooting hollers and stuff. It's it's one of the funnest screens you ever do because you don't get because you know sometimes when you watch those real bad indie films, it's like oh god, I got an hour and a half of this shit. Um, but. <laughs> on the fake trailers, you got a minute and a half, two minutes of each one. So as bad as it is, and it's only going to last so long. And there's some in there that'll have you crying or peeing your pants. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun going out there. We do have uh, we do have an ad for the the podcast running in the program um, that we did that we took out. So we know people will see it there. Um, hopefully, one day we'll be able to get out there as a group and go check it out. But uh, um, as we you know, as we're as we're closing in on it, um, really really curious. Uh, your your next one coming out, Cowboys from Hell. Yes. Okay. Um, just you know, anything about that one? What can we expect? Well, we got we got some we got some big names committed. Um, I don't think it's spilling too much beans. Um, but we got like a, well anything that you can. Yeah. Without, well, like we know. got we got Joe Don Baker, um, who's you know Buford Pusser from Walking Tall in the seventies, and he's. He's kind of retired from film, but he wants to come out and work with Parrish Randall one time. So we're going to hope to have him out. Chris Christopherson, we hope to have out. Um, Bob Wall, if you remember him, he was always the bad guy in the Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. We hope to have oh, him yeah. come out, yeah. And then there's some other surprises, too, and I can't say those. Uh, but that's all. I'm doing this movie can't for uh, Brad Potts, who was the trooper in Circus of the Dead. Um, he wanted me to give him – he said – he was telling me that, yeah, he goes, I, get, I always get to play a damn trooper, a policeman, or a sergeant. He goes, I wish somebody would write me something good. And I go, I bet I could write something good, brother. But anyway, we, over the past, since we shot that in 2013, we've become best friends and uh, brothers of sorts. And uh, I just want to write him the best thing I could write for him. You know, he just wants one thing that he said he could just hang everything on. And if it's the only movie he ever makes that he could be proud of, he wants to do it. So that's where Cowboys from Hell come from. That's so awesome. Looking forward to that. Now, what is what is it about? Of course, somebody goes, well, you mean you get Texas Pantera? I mean, I wanted to pay, you know, respect to that. Um, just like I did Circus of the Dead was respect to Romero, just in title, and this will be for Pantera. Everybody goes, well, are you going to use the song, Cowboys and Hell? I go, well, I would like to, but I don't know if I could spend that million dollars on that. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, of course I would want to, but I don't know that I can. But I did. I'm, I'm talking to uh, Phil from the band, and maybe I can get him out and stuff like that. Maybe get a cameo or something in there. That'd be and, cool. And I'll pay oh, some respect. I'll good, respect yeah. to the 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 brothers in there too. I'll have something up there, some wanted posters or something in there to pay some kind of respect. It's basically about a a bounty hunter, which is played played by uh, Brad Potts, who's got a group of bounty hunters with him and. They've been hunting uh, bounty hunters throughout, you know, you know the the 1700s or the 1800s, and um, the older ones are already retired. That's the, you know, the Joe Don Baker and stuff. And but Brad's on his way out, and he's retiring, so he's doing one last job. But instead of bringing the guy in dead, the saloon owner wants him to bring him in fresh, so that way, as soon as he gets hung, they can cut his head off and put it in a jar of formaldehyde. But it happens to be like a voodoo priest. So and then. Thing go, and then he takes his boys to go uh, celebrate in a whorehouse, and that's when this this curse kicks in from this voodoo priest that had his head cut off. God damn it, as set themselves say, up. I yeah. know. As they, say, as they say, wackiness ensues. <laughs> well, that is seriously awesome. Uh, well, I can't wait to see it. Um, Billy, you're going to be out at uh, TFW yes. this year, right? You have a, a table I out do. there? I do. I don't know the number yet. I think it's still too early. I do have a table out there. I will be out there amongst the madness. Awesome. Embrace the chaos. Well for, well, for all of our listeners, we want to let you all know um, as we're wrapping this up, Billy's going to be out at Texas Frightmare Weekend. That is May 1st through the 3rd, I believe. Yes, yes. Yep, it's going to be May 1st, 3rd of uh, this year, and uh, it's a serious, uh, seriously awesome experience. It's the premier horror convention in uh, the Southwest. Um, been, uh, this is their 15th year, so you know, a lot of cool places, a lot of cool faces that will be out that'll be out there, a lot of cool autographs that you can get, and of course, you know, you can meet people like Billy and uh, talk about their all their cool stuff that they have coming up. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, Billy, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy crazy schedule to sit down and talk yeah with heck us. yeah anytime we you appreciate- want anybody from circus too y'all let me know and we'll get that set up if you guys want to talk to bill or Parrish or somebody oh no i'm getting the- <laughs> <laughs> i'm all i'm all a swoon in over i'll here. tell you what about those two Did guys else? um they're uh bill's like the sweetest most gentle soul in the world like i mean he's not a he's not he's the most opposite end of popcorn <laughs> you would ever see in your life He's just a <laughs> sweet, quiet man. And uh, Parrish uh, is not a mean person, but he knows more about movies than any person I've ever met in my life, hands down. I would definitely hope to get uh, to get Parrish on. We we are working on transitioning into a studio. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so we've, we've worked in the studio, and, and at that point, we'd love to get Parrish in the studio. Yeah, so he, he, he lives in, about... uh, I guess, be closer to Waco, but he's out that way, too. He's out in the Dallas area. Yeah, that would be really cool. All right, so yes, to all of our listeners, catch Billy out at Texas Frightmare Weekend along with his friends. Um, we definitely appreciate, Billy, you coming out and spending some time with us. Um, this has been Weekend Horror After Dark. I am JL. With me is Alex and Eugene. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, any questions, anything at all, hit us up at weekendhorror at gmail.com. And we will see you guys next month. Take care. Thank you for listening. I like young boys. <laughs>